0: Today, we're talking about civility for uncivil times. And I want to refer back to a podcast that I did on the 23rd of July, which was called Am I My Brother's Keeper? And this podcast was based on a guest blog that I wrote by the same name of Am I My Brother's Keeper? And there were a few points in this blog post as well as in the podcast about how to move forward in the current times. And one of the recommendations was to get to know people and to have deeper level conversations and to talk about difficult subjects in that process. And part of that was sharing life stories and increasing empathy for the other. Now, since the time of that podcast, I've made some observations. What I've noticed is that in some companies, in some organizations, and also in some professional groups and organizations, there's actually been an absence of the recommended grace and finesse that's necessary to have the kind of conversations that I was referring to in the earlier podcast. So I want to give you a hypothetical case or an example. Imagine that you have a colleague, someone that you know from work, who writes an editorial to the local newspaper, and let's say they're talking about all of the reasons why schools should reopen even though the virus numbers in your city and in your state are continuing to rise. You believe that your colleague has missed some really important information that applies to people of color in your city. So they've written this editorial in the newspaper. They believe the children should go back to school. Virus numbers are increasing, and you're concerned because you think they've missed something that pertains to people of color. Well, you have some options. You could write a scathing rebuttal editorial where you say horrific things about your colleague and about your colleague's insensitivity. You could call your colleague some names, like maybe you might say that this person is a racist, or you might accuse them of being a proponent of white supremacy or something of that sort. Now, if you choose to do that, I am Certain that you're not as likely to get to the desired aims and outcomes. And those desired aims and outcomes, as we've talked about before, means mutual understanding and respect, increased learning in both directions, and an ability to move forward together in a productive manner. So if you just go this route of berating them, in the press, without the dialogue and conversation, your colleague is not going to know what you are talking about. And they're not going to understand the labels that you throw at them, because let's assume that this person is a decent person. Most likely, they didn't write their article with the intention of being racist. So if you see something in it that they didn't pick up, unless you point that out in a way that can be heard, they still won't know what the problem is. So what I want to share with you is maybe another approach, a different way to go about this situation where civility is at the center of it. So first, let's start with mindset we think about mindset. You want to bring a mindset that assumes positive intent on the part of the other person. And in the United States, we have a policy that says a person is innocent until proven guilty. You want to give your colleagues that benefit of the doubt as well. Assume that even if there is some unintended harm, assume positive intent. Number two, Mindset-wise, you want to stay curious and interested in what they were trying to say and what they meant by what they were saying. Thirdly, you want to remember your long-term objectives. So this is all part of mindset. Your long-term objectives meaning to invite dialogue, to promote deeper understanding and mutual respect, to promote learning in both directions and to stay in the relationship with the person. And fourthly, you want to maintain a posture, the posture of a learner. So that's mindset. If I look at emotions, there are a couple of things on the emotional side that are also helpful. Number one is to remain calm. If you have to take deep breaths and calm yourself down, or go away for a while, for a cooling off period, before you come back to respond, please do that because remaining calm is very important to reaching those long-term objectives. So that means also number two, when you do speak to your colleague or speak about these issues, you want to speak in conversational tones rather than to be yelling or screaming and Even in writing, we can yell and scream in writing. So the tone, you want it to be more conversational. So then that brings me to this third area, which is what are the kinds of questions or statements that you could make that would still be in line with all the principles we've been talking about so far? Well, one thing, since this person in this hypothetical case is your colleague you can go to this person and have a conversation. And you might say something like, I read your article in the paper and I'd like to understand more about your views on schools opening in our city. Tell me more about how you see this as a good idea. By that question, you are showing curiosity and genuine interest And you're in the frame of mind to listen because maybe there's something your colleague's thinking about that you haven't even considered. So that is a way that you could begin the conversation. And let's say the colleague shares various ideas with you that still indicate they might be missing a piece of information. So number two, then you could come in and say, well, let me share some information with you some information about communities of color in our city and in our state. One of the facts and realities is that, let's say, 60% of those people in communities of color are living in multi-generational living environments. So the children are living with their parents. They're often living with their grandparents and sometimes with their great-grandparents, So although children may be resilient and possibly could recover from the coronavirus, there is a concern that they could negatively impact, especially their grandparents and great-grandparents, even by coming home and being a silent carrier of the virus. And in our city and state, I don't know if you're aware of this, but 60% of our deaths are from people who are 60 years old or greater. And 80% of the new infections are amongst the younger population, 19 to 30 years old. However, the death rate is three times higher in communities of color. And after you've presented this information, then you might say to your colleague and you might ask this question, how might your proposal have some unintended consequences for older adults in communities of color and for these families. And then you wait and see how they're processing this information and what else they might share back with you about that. The person might come back and say, well, I never thought about that. And you might say, well, as you think about it now, how might you alter your recommendation Or what else can you do to get more information about the situation? See, all the while, you're asking questions that are open-ended without any accusatory tone, and your questions are how questions and what questions, which are the open-ended questions, the ones that require more than just a yes or no answer and you're avoiding why, because the why questions can imply, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing this? And again, you're not wanting to be in an accusatory mode. So if you've had this dialogue back and forth, sharing ideas and mutually asking questions and so on, they might say, well, what do you think? And that gives you an opportunity to brainstorm with them and to talk about other possibilities. So you might say, well, In our city, maybe it might be more helpful to offer some flexible options. In other words, there's some neighborhoods where the virus is higher, and maybe they need to have more options for virtual learning still. And there are other neighborhoods where there's less of an issue, and perhaps more of those children could go back to in-person school. In other words, maybe we could look at more than just a unilateral solution. Then, number five, you would get to, what are some next steps that might be useful? So that original author might write another article to the newspaper with an addendum or with an update that includes some of this additional information. Or that original author might decide to interview you as part of the new editorial that's sent to the newspaper, offering some alternative perspectives. Or let's say you didn't know this person at all who wrote the editorial. They were not a colleague. You could write a response article and say, here's an additional perspective. Here's something of some other ideas for consideration on this issue. You would still maintain the kind of decorum that we've been talking about all along. You still wouldn't point the finger, assume negative intent or any of those things because, again, Your intention is to educate and to promote mutual learning. Now, here's what happens on the negative side. If you stay in the mode of the name calling and the screaming at the person, assuming ill intent and being inflammatory, as I said earlier, that target person still doesn't know why what they said was a problem, and now they feel more silenced less reluctant to speak up in the future, less reluctant to ask questions of you or other people to learn more. And if this person was a friend or colleague of yours, that relationship may now be broken. You now have lack of trust and they're feeling unsafe. And you miss the opportunity for new learning and you miss the opportunity for co-creation of what might be better For the future. So, I want to encourage you to really take the high road and practice civility, even for these uncivil kinds of times. And I'll bring up a principle that comes from the Bible in Matthew, the 18th chapter, in verses 15 through 17. And this principle is really all about if your brother does something that offends you and potentially sins against you, one way of putting it, you are encouraged not to blast that in the newspaper, not to shout it from the housetops, but first to privately go to that person and explain the situation in hopes that they will be able to hear you. If they're not able to hear you, and you've made a good faith effort to speak to them, then you go to them again with two or three other people with you as witnesses to establish the facts of the situation. And sometimes those who are going with you may have a better way of articulating what it is that you want to convey and get across so they can be helpers in the process. And then the third point is if they don't hear you when you bring the two or three, In a church setting, you would bring them then before the assembly. So I wouldn't go public with anything like this until you have first made an effort to reach out to the person and to get the situation resolved in another way. What I want to end with today are some words that come from a song from 1965. The song was written by Burt Bacharach and the lyrics by Hal David. The first person who had a hit singing it was Jackie DeShannon in 1965. And the following year, in 1966, Dionne Warwick made this song a hit, and it's called What the World Needs Now is Love. I just want to recite a couple of sentences from this song. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. So go forward, spread love, be civil, learn together, and take our world to the next level of development. As an executive business leader, you have many difficult decisions to make every single day. And it's important to think about how do you develop your people? How do you launch and develop high-performance teams? And how do you create a culture that wins every time? If you would like to take a look at your organization and to talk about the wisdom and guidance that would propel you to create a best place to work and also competitive advantage, then I invite you to apply for a consultation to work with me. Go to my website, www.transleadership.com. Go to the services page and under organizational consultation, you will see a tab that says contact us. That's where you request a consultation. So if you are an executive business leader in a medium to large size company, then I look forward to receiving your application and having a conversation with you. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me,